it's my pleasure to have you join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anybody ever rip you off. That's our mission statement, right? And it's my job to deliver that, to serve you, to give you information that will help you take better control. But there are times that you feel the information I give is fuzzy, inaccurate, incorrect, just plain wrong. And that's why we have Clark Stinks, where you can go to Clark.com and you can post where you feel I've missed the mark or that I can serve you better. And you post, other people can read your posts, they can agree, disagree with your comments. And then weekly, producer Krista goes through your posts and shares her favorites with you here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, this Clark Stinks is from a writer named Krista, who hates it when you say that these are her favorites when she reads them. Just so well, you know. but come on. You, stink. you have to there have to be times I really frustrate you in life. No, and so dude, this, no. this gives you a chance to really You're say, the oh, real I'm deal. You're the real right deal. Now. It does not at all give me pleasure. Only you're the one who loves this. You think it's so much fun to hear I about I do stuff love Clark Stinks. I should set why I love it so much. Because all of us become creatures of habit and we get set in our ways. And we have blinders on. We see things a certain way. We develop our own built-in biases. And so Clark Stinks gives me a chance to examine myself based on what you see in me. There are things that are weaknesses in me, and this helps me improve. All right. Well, we'll start with this one. Clark, you stink like rotting meat at one of your fast food restaurants. One aspect of loans you never seem to take into account is whether a loan is unsecured or secured, usually with the house. For example, it may be worth paying an extra 2% on a parent plus loan rather than borrowing against the house for college. If a borrower gets sick or injured and is unable to work with a home loan, the bank will come and take the house. If you fail to pay an unsecured loan, only your credit is ruined. You still have a place to live. Derek in New Jersey. Derek, this is an issue that's come up many times, and I appreciate what you posted there. The problem with student loans is the Congress decided in, I think, 2005 to give student loan companies extraordinary powers on unpaid student loans or delinquent student loans. There are no real rights of appeal for you as a consumer if it's a private student loan, and I know that I'm creating... A potential enhanced risk of somebody losing a home. But generally, when I have suggested that as a strategy, it's normally for somebody with decent equity in their home and not a massive mountain of student loan debt. People who have a more manageable one. The last time I think I took a call concerning this, the student loan debt was in double digits and the amount involved was $30,000. The amount that that individual could save by doing, in that case, I recommended a home equity loan, was so great that it was worth the enhanced risk to the house versus the current alternative. Clark, please stop the lengthy list of credits on every podcast. Maybe acknowledge your support staff once a week. With the time saved on each podcast, you could share more of your Clark Savings gems 
or another Clark Stinks or Ask Clark segment. I really appreciate you and your staff's efforts to produce such a useful program. Regards, Frank in Ocala, Florida. Frank, I'm really sorry I left you out of the credits. So <laughs> We're adding you in, man. We're adding you, Frank. So the thing with the podcast is the podcast, the time of a podcast is fungible. It doesn't have to be fixed like my radio show. So it gives me an opportunity to recognize everybody involved with everything we do on Team Clark from what we do on television to what we do off air to what we do with Clark deals, Clark.com, uh, you know, people's ability to get free advice off the air, all the aspects of what we do. And I appreciate so much our team. And so if you hear that stuff and it bores you, don't listen to that. But I want to make sure there's an opportunity to recognize everyone that contributes to providing the advice and information that hopefully you value. And Frank, I'll make sure you're listed next week. On a recent episode, Clark touted the upcoming 5G as being a worthy alternative to cable and DSL and save a saving grace for home internet access, especially for rural customers. I hear this a lot from technically clueless talking heads on radio and TV, and it's extremely frustrating. It seems that all these advocates either forget or are just blatantly ignorant of a critical point. Normal home internet access is tiered based on upon speed, while cellular data plans are tiered based upon a limited total amount of data per month. So long as cellular data plans were just a secondary means that people consumed a subset of data while mobile, resorting to proper wired internet access at home for the bulk of their consumption, this was fine. But once you start depending on cellular access for everything with the associated data caps, problems quickly arise. In this age of everything being in the cloud and streamed, we're seeing a fundamental conflict in the market when people are also being pushed to connectivity that is no longer unlimited, but has significantly low monthly data caps while at the same time being expected to pull pretty much everything over these connections and not store anything locally. This current trajectory is not sustainable and something's going to either break or have to change soon. I appreciate that. And I will tell you that technology is the answer to what you said. The beauty of the new 5G networks is that the capacity of them is at a minimum a thousand times greater than the capacity for 4G. So the ability to have so much more bandwidth available, if you'll use that, if I use that obsolete term, it's so great and the speed is enormous. The 5G networks, except in areas where they're having to reach extreme rural areas, will be much faster than legacy phone company DSLs and will be truly competitive with higher speed cable modem connections to homes. So this is something that will become much more clear in about 18 months because what we're going to have at first is we're going to have the limited rollouts as the people who sign up are like beta testers as everybody figures out the price points and how much capacity the market can handle. But the big thing is by having additional options, additional competition, you have more innovation and ultimately better prices all around. Both my wife and I have had 403B accounts with TIAA CREF. Clark says they're only the only 403B that's trustworthy. Our experience with them has not been good. 
We want to roll our money into our own account, but they drag their heels with paperwork, call repeatedly and pester us about, quote unquote, counseling us regarding our accounts. We never heard a word from them during the 30 years of employment, but now that we want the money, they're all over us. Well, you know, Tia, it's now called Tia. They dropped the craft. I always yeah. called it Tia, and then it was TIAA. And then it was uh, Tia dash craft. I think they prefer TIAA. And, but now it's just Tia, TIAA, okay. whatever. Anyway, they have been through a bit of a midlife crisis, and there have been some ethical issues that have come to the table. Historically, 443B plans, they have been the lowest cost provider of 403B plans, and historically, it's not even been close. The issues that have come up are exactly what you describe, that when someone reaches the end of a working career, there have been issues of high-pressure on the TIA employees or TIAA employees to keep customers and convert them to new accounts with TIA that have not generally been in the best interest of the account holders and so far uh, TIAA or TIA has not said a lot about what they're going to do about the potential ethical conflicts and concerns. Clark stinks because he doesn't understand the difference between drug manufacturing and compounding. Look up the NECC disaster to understand why lack of oversight killed and infected hundreds of patients. Your life isn't worth saving a few bucks. All right, so we're talking about the one example with a compounding facility that cost people their lives. I'm trying to remember what illness spread because of it, and it was a, it was a terrible scandal, and it hopefully was a one-off. But when you talk about people dying, there are so many people who cannot afford meds that will sustain or improve their lives, and the pharmaceutical companies that have monopolies on orphan meds that are way past their patent period who are gouging people who, without the medicines, die. It is unconscionable and really troubles me. The compounders, what they're able to do is they're able to provide the same med at a much, much lower cost that is one that's not needed for an enormous number of people, and they truly are saving people's lives. I don't know if you stink, but I was recently listening to your podcast while walking my dogs, and you said something so outrageous that it stopped me in my tracks. The dog, the dogs wondered what was going on. A caller asked if he could should buy mortgage life insurance, and of course, most people shouldn't. But then you ramped up on your never not ever rant. But what if someone can't qualify for level term life insurance? You. You made no mention of this and didn't ask about his situation. My son is a type 1 diabetic, so I suggested he consider mortgage life insurance as part of a cobbled-together plan to protect his family. My son would love to buy term insurance and has been trying for two years. You are usually much better than this. You must have been in a hurry for a burger break. (laughs) Well, it was National Cheeseburger Day. (laughs) No, you are correct. I should have said that. I do often when I take that question, and that was a fail on my part that I did not mention that the one exception to the rule is if you can't medically underwrite for your own level term insurance policy. So I apologize for my oversight. The other day you said appliances last about 12 years on average. Wow. Please let me buy what you buy and shop where you shop. I have a long, sad list of washers, dryers, dishwashers, refrigerators, and stoves that have had expensive repairs after one to three years. 
agree with not buying extended warranties, but we figure getting five years out of an appliance. Our repair guy says he only works on newer machines because the older ones are so reliable. The data that I referred to was brand new data on expected average lifespan for major appliances. And I I feel so bad for you. I don't know what it is about the appliances you're buying that they have proven to be so unreliable. I would say as a back to the basics, go with Consumer Reports reliability records on various appliances and maybe you'll improve the odds that yours will last longer. I appreciate all your posts. They're so varied. If there's something where you feel I have been thick in the head or whatever, please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know. Craig is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Craig. How you doing? Doing well, Clark. How are you today? Great, thank you. You're going on a trip. I am going on a trip, and I booked it. Uh, maybe two, three months ago, and I've been checking the rates. I seem to keep dropping, but it's already a paid in advance. So, do I have any, I don't know, recourse or kind of not recourse, but can I ask them to lower the rates or how does something like that work? What part of the trip did you pay in advance for? I think it was the entire trip, the uh, the entire hotel. Oh, just the hotel part. So a hotel Correct. stay. Okay. So just for future reference, when I book a trip far in advance, I always book the hotel as a refundable hotel or one that you don't, you just give a credit card guarantee and you generally will have, depending on whether it's resort destination or city destination, you'll have a two to seven day window before travel to cancel without any obligation. And the reason I do that is that hotels, when you book far in advance, tend to have a higher price that they're offering you than they offer much closer if they're not going to be full. So if, you, so if I have the booking, hotel ends up full. I've already got my room that I booked without risk way ahead of time, but then much closer when I reshop, I'd say probably at least 80 to 90% of the time rates have dropped and I it can even be at the same property and I drop to a lower price. But if you paid in full, it depends on the terms and conditions whether you have a right to rebook. Did you book at a hotel booking site or at the hotel's own reservation site? Like how'd you book it? At the hotel site. All right, so directly at the, with the hotel. And was it uh, uh, advance purchase non-refundable, or was it just an advance purchase? I'm not sure what the terms and conditions were. I did not look at them. All right, so if you I just if know you the pull total up, amount. Right, so if you pull up your old confirmation, it should disclose in it what the terms and conditions are of the booking. So the room, I'm guessing, is cheaper now. It is cheaper, yes. How much difference is there from before? Uh, it went from, let's say, about thirteen hundred to nine hundred. Oh man! So roughly four hundred. Oh man, you're looking at that four hundred <laughs> bucks. It could so be great in your own pocket, right? Absolutely. All right, call reservations. Give them your booking number. 
try to find that confirmation first and read it. And whatever it says, you just call up and you say, hey, you know, I booked this way in advance. I see the rate's cheaper now. I'd like to rebook to the cheaper rate. Just that's all you say. Okay. Because even even if they say it was, you know, advance purchase non-refundable, they may be willing in a case like this to give you a, uh, you know, rebook it or give you some value for a future stay or give you some freebies while you're there something to get value for you having been loyal enough to book way in advance at a specific property. Okay, I will try that. And just remember my rule, when you book more than a month out, always book a rate that you have the ability to get out of. It's my pleasure to have you with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Okay, I read... Such a crazy story in the Wall Street Journal recently about how old line car dealers cannot attract or retain the young workers, which are so much of what staffs car dealers, that young workers have no interest at working at dealerships that practice the traditional method of selling a vehicle, new or used, called the grind, where it's all about trying to psych out the buyer and getting you to sit there, hope you get hungry, tired, thirsty, and have you sit while they say they're going to go talk to the manager 20 different times, and what they're really doing is they're going outside to have a cigarette or shoot the breeze with somebody, make you sweat a little more, and then come back in and say, well, I did the best I could with the manager, but he's just not going to do anything here. All the games and all the tricks and all the cons that were the way the car business historically worked. Well, people in their 20s and 30s, they're not going to have it. And dealerships are seeing massive turnover, kind of like fast food restaurants have, that use those kind of tactics. And according to the Wall Street Journal, one dealer group now has turnover of over 100% of their sales personnel over the last year. How are you ever going to sell a car anyway, whatever method you use, if people are lasting such an extremely short period of time saying, I can't handle this? Well, what I love is one of the dealers they interviewed said, I had to do it differently. I'm going to no negotiation fixed price. No games. And now my people want to work here. Duh! Okay, it's the craziest thing. Joel, will you look up what year CarMax started for me? I think it was 96. Let's see how good my memory is. I may not even be within a decade. But 1993. Oh, man, I was so wrong. <laughs> I remember standing in front in, from my TV work, standing in front of the first CarMax store in the United States. I, it may have been in Richmond. I don't remember where it was, but I was doing what we call on TV a stand-up, and I was saying, this is the future of car buying. No games, no gimmicks, no negotiation. Well, 
here we are all these decades later, and uh, it still is a business-resistant, industry-resistant to change. Was it Richmond? Was I right? Okay. All right. At least I remembered that if I couldn't get the year right. But now things really are moving that direction with the ability for you to shop online and know more about the car than the salesperson trying to sell it to you and the ability for you to comparison shop online, the business finally, kicking and screaming, is going to be brought into the modern era. You know, I cannot tell you over the decades since CarMax started and I sung their praises, how many car people have said, don't you know CarMax charges more money for the cars that people buy than we'll sell them for? And I say, so what? Who cares? I don't know if that's true, but even if they are charging more, people love shopping there. No games, no gimmicks, and it's quick. So why don't you do it too? Even if it means you'd have to suffer by charging people more money for the cars you have on your lot. Give people the right to return them for a full refund for a certain number of days if they don't like them. Not, well, you can bring it back and we might think about letting you buy something else. No, embrace what the customer wants. Embrace change. The only thing that is consistent in life is that things change. And the car business has changed. And think about what CarMax faces with, I see I've got a a call here from Philip who wants to know about Carvana. So, Philip, talk to me. Hey, Clark. uh, I was curious, and the good information you have there, but I was curious, uh, I'm in the market for a car, and obviously I'm looking to get a new used car, but I was looking into Carvana, and I'd want to get your opinion on that. So Carvana is kind of like CarMax modernized. It was started by a guy in Phoenix who was an old car guy. And it, it, you know, I travel all around the country all the time and I see Carvana, you know, they put that, that thing around the license plate or tag, whatever you yeah. call it where you live. And um, I see the Carvana things everywhere I go now. And it is a brilliant business idea. How old are you? I am 39. All right, so you are a little on the old side for the demographic (laughs) that they were designed for because most people, by the time they're your age, the idea of buying a vehicle sight unseen is like something they just can't even begin to imagine. But Mm -hmm. people in their 20s, they don't care if they see the car. They see it on their phone. So it looks good to them, and they just buy it on Carvana. So you have a right to return it if you don't like it for a week, right? Something like that, yep. So I've had one complaint about Carvana in the years that it's existed. And their prices seem really decent on the vehicles. They do, and I was that whole vending machine thing. What what does that mean? You, I oh, mean, it's like all it's all it's brilliant marketing. 
So they built okay. these things. Uh, first one I think they ever did was in Nashville, if I recall. Now they have them in a number of markets, which is like a 10-story glass house filled with vehicles. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's this great billboard for them as people drive down an interstate. They see it, and in theory, you can go put in the code that you bought a vehicle with on the app, or not app, on the website, on your phone, and you go and you punch in a code, or it reads a barcode, and your vehicle comes down the 10-story um, vending machine, and the door opens, and you can drive off in the vehicle. That easy. <laughs> yeah, you just got to pay for it first. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, so right, there, well, there, if you think about what I was just talking about with car dealers, they are as opposite the way cars used to be sold and a lot of places still sell them as you could possibly be in the business with uh, people buying. I, mean, I I can't imagine buying a vehicle without ever even test driving it. Me but that's neither. How you, uh, that's how you buy not. one from Carvana. And you <laughs> own it, but you can take it back if you don't like it. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a Russian roulette with the, with the whole car buying because you just, you just definitely don't know what you're going to get. But again, in however many years Carvana has been around, one complaint, one, that's it. That's, that's impressive. So they must be doing a good job of buying the vehicles, figuring out if they, you know, when they buy them at the auctions, making sure they meet their criteria, and then dumping the ones that don't. And then because they'll take them back for any reason, you don't even give a reason in yeah. that one week period. Um, it just seems to be a crowd pleaser, I guess. Most definitely. I, I agree with that. So um, 39, though, you may be their oldest buyer yet. <laughs> Maybe they'll give me an uh, AARP discount or something. <laughs> <laughs> you can always give it a try. And uh, good luck finding the vehicle you want at the price you're happy with. <laughs> Kathleen's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, Clark. So, Kathleen, um, I, do you know uh, there used to be a phrase in the 1960s, don't trust anybody over 40? Yeah. And there he was, 39, and I'm telling him he's old now. <laughs> well, it sounds old to me. I'm 58. <laughs> well, how can I be of service, Kathleen? Well, Clark, I have uh, some money in a 401A and a 403B from a previous employer about 10 years ago. And it seemed to be doing well, and then I got a um, distribution form in the mail, and I'm just not sure if I should just roll this over to an IRA I have locally here, or um, I think they said it would roll over to a 401k maybe with another company. So um, the 401a you did, was it before tax or after tax contributions? Uh, before, I believe. Okay, so it was a before tax, because a 401A, which is a very rare animal, versus a 401K, but a 401A can be um, contributions, I thought, that were usually after tax. Oh, well, I guess I don't really know. I think uh, I definitely get an answer to that if it's money that was pre-tax or after tax. Okay. Because you could, if it's after-tax money, 
you could roll it into a Roth IRA. Oh, yeah. And that's what I would do. If it's before tax money, I'd still roll it into a regular IRA. You would? Yeah, because that's been sitting there from a decade ago. You're not there anymore. Um, I, I don't know why I'd leave it there. Okay. That's kind of what the guy said, you know, from the company I had called. Uh, he said, I don't know why you would want to leave it here. I guess because I'm not contributing to it anymore. Well, also, if you've been gone from the place so long and the company that manages it, is it a well-known company, one of the low-cost providers, or is it who knows who? Yeah, it's a well-known company. They charge me about $3 a quarter, I think, in fees. Uh-huh. That's not very much in fees. How much money do you have in it? Well, the combined um, combined is about 206000 206000 Yeah, with 403B and the 401A. All right. Now, those are very different things. So how much is uh, 403B money? One seventeen. Okay. Your, uh, your 403B money, there's a company I'd like you to look at that has had, unfortunately, some bad publicity recently, but has historically been a very good company to look at with that 403B money is moving that to a company called TIA, TIAA.org. Okay. And uh, I would talk with somebody at TIA about that. Or you could look at moving both accounts to Vanguard. Yeah, that's I saw that on your website, and that's what I was thinking about as far as opening an IRA with them. Because yes, Vanguard's the lowest cost out there. And so that would be a potentially good move with both of those things. And with that amount of money, Vanguard would likely be willing to give you some advice along with it. But okay. you, in addition, because you're 58, you've obviously been a good saver that you had that much money left behind there. You might find it useful to sit down with a fee-only financial planner and get some long-range planning kind of advice moving forward and i might suggest to you that you consider talking with somebody with garrett planning network have you ever heard me mention them no so they are a organization that will refer you to planners that only charge you a fee for advice like going to a lawyer or a doctor okay they don't sell investments or anything like that they'll just talk to you about what your goals are what your plans are what you've got and give you a roadmap what you should do next. All right. What exactly is TIA.org? Uh, that? That's uh, that is the old line organization that does retirement plans for teachers and college professors and school staffs. Oh, okay. And so they are a respected organization. They've had a little bit of bad publicity. There are a couple of things that went on there that weren't good. But generally, they are a very respected organization. So you've okay. got a lot of ways you could go right here. Yeah. And uh, Garrett Planning Network is garrettplanningnetwork.com. Is, is that with two T's or one? Garrett is with two T's. Okay. Well, best to you and good job with all that saving and best to you with planning your future. Wanda's with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Wanda, 
I am so sorry to hear that you're getting clobbered by your long-term care insurance. What's happening? Yes, I've had the policy about 40 years with my former employer. I continue to pay for that policy. It went for $95 a year, basically. Now, the past three years ago, it went up to like 233 a year. And I just sent off a payment today for this upcoming year. So, and uh, the benefits would be $58 per day in a nursing home or wherever I went, I suppose. But um, For how long? Like said, 58 for three years, five years, or I for the rest five, of your life? Uh, five years. Okay, so your premium increase is so little compared to what I'm hearing from other people. Oh, okay. Your benefit is actually not going to be enough to provide the level of care you're going to want, but it'll help. Gotcha. So if you're having to pay $233 a year for a $58 a day benefit that goes for for years i think you just pay them the extra premium okay 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 especially at this point right the number of years i paid into it. exactly and okay. and right. i hate to ask a lady this how old are you oh first of all i'm 66 and i'll be 67 in november well happy birthday in november oh, so thank you. you may thank be you. 20 years from needing this gotcha and you may not ever need it. That's but, true. But if you have to, let's say they even go up to 500 a year, it's still worth it okay. over time because the daily benefit is so valuable to you if okay. you need long-term care. Gotcha. And if I don't ever need it or if, you know, just die suddenly, then I've you know, kind of just paid them a premium all these years, just what if. Correct. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, you okay. pay for car insurance hoping you're never in a wreck. Exactly. Okay, well, thank you for your help today. I just wanted to, you know, every time I see that bill come for per year, I, I write the check out like I, I mailed it off this morning, and I'm just like, let me ask him. Nope, you're doing the right thing. Okay, well, thank you so much. Sure. You have a great day. You too. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks so much for listening today. You know, there's a giant team behind bringing you everything we do at Team Clark. Our podcast and radio show are produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. My TV producer is Leah Dunn. Clark.com is made possible thanks to Krista DiBiaz, James DeGal, John Crest, Theo Timu, Michael Timmerman, Craig Johnson, Beth Marcinko, Clara Bosnetto, John Jones, and Grace Del Rio. ClarkDeals.com, where you can find the best deals from around the web, is produced by Karis Brown, Laura Sayers, Sarah Jordan, and Damon Marley. You can sign up for our newsletters at Clark.com, thanks to Sally McDonald, and our social media gurus are Chelsea Glass and Nicole Carroll. Our Off-Air Advice Center is run by Lori Silverman, Sarah Mobley, and Sue Gatliff, and their team's available to serve you over 40 hours each week at 404-892-8227 and this is a free service of Team Clark. Thanks for listening. Till next time.